Good morning. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we ask now as we turn to your word and we listen to what Paul had to say in Galatians, fill our hearts with confidence that we might know this revelation that you gave to Paul to be the true gospel, such that it would be what we are grounded in. Give us confidence in the truth that you have revealed to your people today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start by asking you a question this morning. Who should we listen to? <laughs> well, this is very kind of you, Julie. Right now, you have no choice. Right, I've got the microphone. <clears throat> when, it, when it comes to matters of God, of spirituality, of eternity, of life and death, of heaven and hell, of morality and how to live, who should we listen to? There are so, so many voices out there. I, I think possibly the world right now, we have more voices in our ears than any other people in the history of the world. Isn't that an interesting thought? Whether, whether you're into the new forms of media and you consume the social medias or the, for, the content that gets created all around the world every day, or even if you're still just with the traditional media and you read the paper or you watch the news... The cycle of information is so rapid. New ideas every half hour. We are out with the old, in with the new. Voices from all sorts of different places. People speaking. And despite having more voices than ever, they're more conflicted than ever. In fact, so many of the voices in our world want to tell us not to listen to God. Not to listen to the things of Jesus. Our Western society right now, our culture in this particular point in time, the one thing that you're not allowed to believe in is absolute truth. That's the one thing you're not allowed. You can believe whatever you want. Whatever you would like to have in your head, that's okay. As long as you don't say, well, that there's an absolute source of truth. There's one God and He determines reality. As long as you say, you don't say that, you can say whatever you want, right? You can stand anywhere you like, just don't stand there. And of course, Christians come along and we say, well, there is absolute truth because there is absolute authority. There is one God who has spoken. And so the world says, well, that's no gospel, is it? That's no good news. That's bad. You're hateful. You're bigots. You can't keep your job. All the rest of it. But you know what? It's not just the world that says that. It happens within Christendom too. There are so many different voices. You know, if you listen to podcasts, if you read different websites, if you read books, whatever form you consume your information through. You, you think about it, in a previous age, right, to listen to a Christian teacher, they probably would have had to come here. I mean, where else would you encounter them? Maybe a rally or something, right? And, and that's it, you get to listen to one or two different voices a year. We can pick up any number of them. And so many of them are just plain dodgy. I went and looked up uh, one of these podcast charts. They're kind of hard to find, but I went and looked up the top 10 Christian podcasts in the world. Now, out of that list of 10, five, there were some of them that I didn't know, but I could spot five that I know for a fact will lead you astray. Between them, they are likely to have tens, if not hundreds of millions of people listening to them. 
But it's not just random people, is it? It's just random teachers. There are entire so-called Christian churches that will lead you astray. That preach a gospel other than the gospel that Jesus has delivered. The Eastern Orthodox Church these days counts something like 350 million followers, right? Now, I, I want to read for you, if, if, if I can, what, just one little statement from one of their creeds. This is from the Confession of Dositheus from 1672. There you go, a little bit like we just stood up and did our creed. You could imagine this being. And this is Decree 13, listen to this. We believe a man to be not simply justified through faith alone, but through faith which works through love. That is to say, this is their words, through faith and works. Exactly the same thing that Paul was fighting against with the Galatians still happens today. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church, which counts something like one and a half billion followers, has exactly the same doctrine. Who should we listen to? This same teaching, not just different teaching, but the same different teaching, that faith alone is not enough. You have to have faith and your works and your deeds. Whatever form those deeds look like, that same teaching was the problem the Galatians were having. Paul came in and said, you're saved by faith. These Judaizers came in, Judaizers came in after Paul and they said, well, you kind of saved by faith, but actually you've got to do a bunch of Jewish stuff as well. You've got to do some works to be truly saved. I mean, I, I feel for the Galatians, honestly, what a dilemma. Who do you listen to? I mean, one day this poor bloke walks in, right? Who is he? I don't know, some bloke, he's travelling with some other bloke and they arrived and they told us about this Jesus, sounded very cool, we all right, we've got to trust Him and He saves us from our sins and we get to go to heaven, brilliant, all right, we're in. And then the next day, Paul's left, I mean, he's just a wandering nomad who goes around asking people for money. I mean, that's all Paul does, right? And he comes and preaches his gospel, a bit funny looking and takes off. Makes me think of a little bit of Bob Brown. Um, uh, hi, hi, Bob. Uh, right, and then he's gone. And then the next day, this official party arrives seemingly from the official church in Jerusalem. The bishop sent them. They're dressed in their finery, they bring with them the authority of the church. Oh, Paul was here, was he? Oh, yes, Paul. He's a little bit confused. We, we, think, we think he's a bit scared, honestly. That, that, that he's a little bit... Well, he, he wants to please people. So, you know, Christianity, you've got to come to faith in Jesus and then you've got to get circumcised because you've got to be a Jew to be a Christian. And we, Paul, well, he reckons people won't want to do that bit. They, they, they don't want to have the snippy snippy, you know? So he's just cut that bit out because he wants to please, so to speak, because he wants to please people. Now, I feel for, can you imagine? You've got those two groups standing before you. But draggled nomad Paul, who's no one, the official church saying, well, he's actually a people pleaser who's cut a whole bunch of the message out and he's the real deal. Who do you listen to? The problem, of course, is that Paul says of those people, of the Judaizers, they are the people pleasers. So it's a bit he said, he said, she said, right? If I can get that one right. Seashells by the seashore. Come over to chapter 6 in Galatians. 
Have a look at chapter 6 and verse 12. We'll get to all this later, but we you know why not steal some thunder? Chapter 6 and verse 12. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh, right? The, the people pleasers, those who actually want to impress other people, are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid persecution for the cross of Christ. You see, Paul says. Those Judaizers, they're the people pleasers, they're afraid of what the Jews are going to do to them and so they bring Judaism in with Jesus. Who to listen to? What a dilemma, what a quandary. I understand the problem, the argument against Paul's apostleship. Paul is saying, I'm an apostle, right? I bring the gospel from Jesus to you. I get the argument against him. I mean, we knew who the apostles were. There were 12 of them. Do you remember that? I don't know how good your, your Bible history is. There were these 12 special disciples that Jesus chose. They were the ones who were always with him. They were the ones who from day one heard Jesus, knew Jesus, saw Jesus, lived with him, ate with him, had fear in the midst of his presence, prayed with him. Such that when Judas betrays Jesus and stops being an apostle, just <laughs> didn't want him to be there anymore, they had to go and pick another one for there to be 12 and the criteria for that new one was, you can go and read it in Acts chapter 1, he had to have been someone who was there from the beginning, who knew Jesus. The whole point of the apostles was they received the gospel so that they could pass it on. Who's Paul? Like, we have no indication in the Bible that Saul, Paul, ever even met Jesus. I mean, he might have. He might have been one of those Pharisees who was wandering around trying to trap him. He might have been one of the Pharisees who had Jesus put to death. You're telling me that guy is going to be an apostle? You're joking, right? I'll tell you what's a question that really still matters today. It matters for us. We need to be confident in who Paul was, in his gospel, because a fair whack of the New Testament was written by Paul. If he's not an apostle, we should stop listening to him. And you know what? There's heaps and heaps of people who still try and discredit him to this very day, who want to cut out any of Paul, which also includes the Gospel of Luke, by the way, because Luke was kind of with Paul, and the book of Acts, and all of his epistles, just and go back to just the Gospels. I heard, um, here's a funny one, I heard a little conspiracy theory this week about Paul, that he was a double agent. Do you like that one? That he was trying to destroy the church and he realised that he couldn't do it by killing Christians, so he dedicated his life to infiltrating the church and writing a different gospel so that everyone would get the wrong gospel and Jesus' work would be nullified and undone. How's that one for, I mean, someone was thinking creatively with that one. If he was a double agent, he's the worst double agent in the history of the world because <laughs> Christianity took off, so, uh, you know... <clears throat> Was Paul a people pleaser who distorted the gospel? Well, let's have a look. Why should we listen to him? Now, we've already seen one part of his answer last week. We, you might have noticed we, we covered verse 10 a little bit last week, but I wanted to just very briefly touch on it again. <clears throat> because, see, if Paul was a people pleaser, then he's going about it in a very strange way. 
How would you please people? You'd, you'd say nice things, right? You'd, you'd flatter them and tell them how lovely they look. You all look so nice today, by the way. It's so lovely to see you at church, and well-dressed and smiling and attentive. You're listening so well. Well done, you guys. Right, that, you, you butter people up. Do you remember what Paul said, verse 9, as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Right? Damn you to hell if you are preaching a gospel other than the one from... There. Am, am I trying to please people? Is that what a people pleaser says? No, Paul says, I don't try and please people. I am a slave, a servant of Christ. Now, I, I want to just to come back to that point briefly to point out that being a servant of Christ may well include cursing false gospels. May well include standing firm in the face of a teaching that says you need works as well as faith and declaring that to be anathema, declaring that to be against the counsel of God, even if it results in dishonour among men. And Paul knew that well. He carried on his own body the scars. Did you call me a people pleaser? Did you hear it in that first Bible reading? Becomes a Christian, goes back to Jerusalem, the apostles wouldn't even receive him. They're like, dude, we're no... You just want to come in and arrest us all, go away. So he goes to the synagogue, gets there, starts preaching Jesus. They're all like, what? Just kill that dude. The people pleaser? Will we, I wonder, curse false gospels? It's hard in our day and age. Because again, our world can't tolerate objective truth. You have to allow other people to believe what they want to believe, right? That's the nice thing to do. The world's influence is strong upon us. We feel uncomfortable. Do you, do you, want, do you, do you want me to say one of the most offensive statements I possibly can? Yeah? Julie's nodding. Julie's in. All right. <laughs> Here you go. This is one of the most offensive sentences you can make in our world today. There is only one God. There is only one Saviour. There is only one path to heaven. There is only one true religion. There is only one Lord and God. There is only one gospel. And all other religions are lies, deceptions, brought about by Satan himself, that will take you to eternal destruction in hell. That's a hard sentence to say. What do you mean, David? Do you, do you mean that that lovely Christian church down the road? I mean, I, I recognise as I say this that there are plenty of lovely Christian churches down the road. I'm not singling any one of them out, except for the one I've already named. Right? You mean to say that those lovely churches down the road that are teaching everyone how to be good people and how to be nice and how to be moral and how to be religious, to give to the poor and do char charity and alms and all these lovely things? You, you're saying that they're the spawn of Satan and going to hell? You can't say that. Well, actually, Paul said it. I, I didn't. 
And he said it because he's not a people pleaser, he's a God pleaser. And he's a God pleaser because it's God's gospel. It's not his. It's not from people. It's from God. Have a look with me, verses 11 and 12. Paul received his gospel directly from Jesus himself. I want you to know, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from a human source. I was not taught it. But it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. There's some amazing verses. I think Paul was unique. I, I can't think of anyone else who had this same experience as Paul did. You remember the 12 apostles, they received the gospel directly from Jesus. They did the three-year apprenticeship. Jesus taught them the gospel. All through the, the gospel accounts that we have, the biographies of Jesus, all the way through it, Jesus was teaching them things and often the editor puts in a little note that says, they didn't understand it at the time. Later, they did. They got it from Jesus. As he died and was raised, they finally clicked, they understood divine revelation. Jesus will say of Peter in Matthew 16, right? No flesh has taught you that. That came from my Father in heaven. You have the gospel from God himself. And Paul says, so do I. I didn't get it from people. I didn't get it by a human teaching. Paul says, I had a Matrix moment. Do you remember the Matrix movie? And, and well, you might not. Anyway, you get that scene where Keanu Reeves just says, I know Kung Fu, right? He, he got it implanted into his brain. He just in an instant learned it. Paul, I, I don't know, his three days of blindness were boot camp with Jesus. The Holy Spirit somehow downloading into his brain. Now, Paul knew the Old Testament back to front, right? He was a Jew of Jews. He, he knew it so, so well. Maybe all it required was Jesus to connect a couple of dots and Paul to go, oh, yeah. But this wasn't a gospel from people. Now, by the way, massive rebuke to the Judaizers, massive rebuke to these false teachers in Galatia, because their gospel really was of human origin. It was man-made. Jesus says it of them, right? Good on you guys, fine traditions you have to deny the will of God and instead put up your human traditions... Paul knew that it was all man-made, he used to be one of them. And I tell you what, it's a bit of a rebuke to so many today as well. Because there are any number of people who want to put themselves over God's Word. Whether it's those orthodox churches that literally and officially say, right, the church sits above God's Word, the church has to interpret it for you. Let me read for you again from that same confession of Dositheus from the Eastern Orthodox Church. They ask the question, should the divine scriptures be read in the common language by all Christians? Should you have access to the Bible? No. They should not be read by all, but only by those who with fitting research have inquired into the deep things of the Spirit and who know in what manner the divine scriptures ought to be searched and taught. And finally read. Do you hear that? It's up to the priests, not you. The church sits above the Word of God and tells you, plebs, what to believe. But actually, you know, it's not just in the pomp and religiosity, is it? Because it happens in the novel interpretations of the liberal and the progressive church today as well. I get to choose what the Bible does and doesn't say, thank you very much. 
No, Paul's gospel was from no man. It was not a human origin. Just by the way, a little side note about the divinity of Christ. No human origin. It came from Jesus, the God himself. But let me prove it to you, Paul says. Let me prove it to you. Let me talk to you about my life before I became a Christian. Let me tell you about my conversion. And let me tell you about what happened immediately afterwards. Let me tell you firstly what my life was like before I became a Christian, says Paul. Look at verse 13 with me. You have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Does that sound like a Christian teacher to you? A man who was dedicated to the destruction of the Christian church. To the literal murder of Christians. To advancing Judaism like no one else. You want to find a person who was more opposed to Christianity, I don't know that you could. I want you to take a moment. I want you to think about the person that you know who is the most anti-Christian, who's the least likely to become a Christian, who's just, not just doesn't care, but he's like, if you know someone who's angry about it or anti it, who's vehemently opposed to it. Paul was going full blast the opposite way. You see, for him, Christianity, it wasn't just an intellectual exercise, it was a direct attack upon his identity. He was a Jew, and here are these Christians saying that Judaism isn't about whatever it is that you think it is about, Paul, it's actually about Jesus. No, it's not, it's about Judaism. Christianity directly undermined his entire view of the world. It was an attack on him, and so he attacked back. To think of a person like that coming to Christ, you've got to be kidding, right? Listen to what Paul was like in Acts chapter 26. He has this little description of himself. It's so striking. Acts 26 and verse 10. I actually did this in Jerusalem, he says. I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme. Since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. The dude would go into synagogue, look for Christians and get them to blaspheme so that he could get them killed. That man, committed to being an enemy of Jesus and a true Jew in three days, went to preaching Jesus as the Son of God and irrefutably proving it. What? (laughs) What? Can you picture that person in your life? Just so anti-Jesus. What's today? Sunday. Calls you up Wednesday. Have you heard that Jesus is the Son of God? He dies so that you and I can go to... Have you heard that new... Like, can you, you, hang on a second, what just happened? Well, what happened was God. Look down at verse 15. 
But God, I mean, the two, two of the best words in the whole Bible, by the way, any verse that starts, but God, is one worth just commending to your mind and to your heart. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, so that I could preach Him among the Gentiles, I didn't consult with anyone. What a wonderful couple of verses. How could a man like Saul go from who he was to what he became? Well, God, that's how. Actually, the the perfectly normal, everyday work that God still does today of taking a heart that is utterly against Him, shattering it and causing it to beat anew for Him. Now, in Saul's case, it it, it was rather wonderful, wasn't it? it? It was... It was miraculous, it was public, there was the voice from heaven that people heard, there was the light that caused him physical blindness. We might not necessarily all get that same experience. I think Paul was special, he was an apostle. God was setting up his messengers in ways that were clear and unmissable, so that the messengers could take the message, that the normal way of transmission of the gospel is the message that we now proclaim. The work that Jesus did in the life of Saul on the road to Damascus, have you ever stopped to consider that that's the work that you get to do in the life of others now? Isn't that a wonderful thought? To share Jesus. In person, as we live it out, in our words, as we proclaim the gospel. But God the sovereign God, whose work is effective, whose work is planned. Did you see that? God who set me apart from my mother's womb, whose plan is purposed so that I might preach to the Gentiles. We don't need the big show now. We're not apostles anymore, right? Now it's preachers and teachers and us as we share the gospel. For the apostles themselves, it was direct from Jesus and Paul stands there and says, that was me. Just think about Paul for a minute. When he says that it's of no human origin, who on earth would have been brave enough to preach the Christian gospel to Paul? The minute you start talking about Jesus, what's he going to do? Lock you up and have you killed. Like... Hey, Paul, can I tell you about Jesus? Right, you just don't get... Who's going to preach the gospel to him? He said, no one did. No one could. But Jesus did. I have the gospel from God himself. And look at what happened next. I mean, miraculous, right? Verse 15 again. When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, when he was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately consult with anyone. Or I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who become apostles before me. You remember we read that in, in the account. He goes to Jerusalem and the apostles all go, no, go away. I didn't go and talk to any of them. I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. I left and went as a missionary and went and preached the gospel. Three years later, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days, but I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of the Lord, I'm not lying in what I write. I mean, do you think to yourself, two weeks, 
Three years later, he comes back and spends two weeks with Peter. Do you reckon that in two weeks you could learn, you could master the Bible? Have you mastered it yet? I haven't. I mean, it's been years for most of us, right? Long way to go still. You want to tell me that in two weeks the bloke learnt it all? No. No, afterward, verse 21, I went back to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Off I went again, missionary, preaching. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of him. I mean, what a, what a transformation, right? I mean, what a miracle. Untrained, untaught. No human gave him... He didn't do MTS and go to more college. <laughs> didn't even do PTC, for crying out loud. I mean, he should have. He was on the go. He could have learnt it as he went. No, instead, Jesus told it to him and I went and preached. Now, next week, we're going to hear what happens next. But a little, little spoiler, right? Eventually, he does get to Jerusalem... 14 years later, and he does check with the apostles, actually guys, did I get it right? And they say, yeah, yeah, you did. A gospel from Jesus himself. Paul's gospel came to him not from men, not from humanity, not from his own mind, not from human teachers or human sources, but directly from Jesus himself. So I want to give you three implications I mean, there's been a bunch all the way through, but here's a couple more. Here's implication number one. Trust your Bible. You you can trust what we have. It's it's under attack. I mean, all sorts of people attack the Scriptures, the the atheists, the the secular world in opposition to Christianity, right? They they just write it off as old-fashioned, as bigoted, just it's not with the times, we know better now. I mean, really? It teaches that? We've progressed. They undermine it as being ridiculous. I tell you, well, that stings, doesn't it? It hurts when you see people, oh, <laughs> who'd, who'd believe the Christian message? <laughs> what a load of fairy tales and myths, right? Like, grow up already. That hurts. It's under attack by the liberals who want to rationalise away anything that doesn't seem to fit with the modern age. Miracles? Ah, That's pushing it, really. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Dead people don't rise. I mean, (laughs) come on. It's a lovely story to teach us all to be kind to one another or whatever garbage it is they come up with. The progressive church? No, we just do away with the bits that we don't like. Even some of the slightly more mainstream people are a real danger of undermining scriptures. So here's my second point. My first one was trust your Bible. Here's my second point. Develop a healthy scepticism of everything else. Healthy scepticism. Okay, don't just become a devil's advocate. Don't argue the toss, even if it's in your favour. Like there are some people who are just going to, no matter what. No, no. Healthy scepticism. Test tested against the scriptures of everything else can i point out that that includes your teachers and i say that full well knowing that i'm standing here today as one of your teachers have a healthy skepticism have your bible open write notes 
And then at some point Tuesday or Wednesday, go back and read them again with your Bible open. Ask questions, push back. We sit under the Word of God just like everybody else. Develop a healthy scepticism of media, whatever form of media you consume. Do you read books? Be sceptic of the authors. Do you listen to podcasts? Be sceptic of the people speaking. Do you, do, you, do you watch Christian talks from conferences? I don't care what the platform is. I don't care how well known they are. I don't care how much we think they may well the most amazing preacher and down the line conservative evangelical. Be sceptic of them. I'll, I'll, I'll pick on one of my own, right? You listen to a Philip Jensen talk. <gasps> Be sceptical of him with your Bible open, to sit under the Word of God. Be sceptical of yourself. Do you know what? There's no lack of Christians today who want to tell you that the place to find the Word of God is within your own mind. What a dumb place to go looking. <laughs> really? It comes in all sorts of forms. Inward-looking quest for God's Word. You've got to find the stillness and the quietness in which you can hear the whisper of God. You've got to learn by the secret practices that we're going to teach you how to cut out all the other things that speak and listen to the pure Word of God. You've got to seek the experience in which God will give you a vision, just like He did to Paul. You, whatever it is, you've got to apply your mind and be the most rational being you can and only believe that which you can find hard. Whatever it is that you... Be healthily sceptic of yourself. You live in a world that is cursed by God and in a body that is sinful by nature. Why on earth would you put yourself as the authority? Trust the Bible. Now, I almost want to tell you to respect God a bit more than to go looking inside. God has told you where He has spoken, and we have it right here. God revealed the Gospel to Paul so that Paul could teach it. That implies that the revelation bit is done, doesn't it? Why did God choose Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles? He could have just had Jesus appear to every one of them. I take it that's no big deal for him. It, like the experience that Saul had, it could have been every single one of our experiences. God could have done that without blinking an eye. No, he revealed it to the apostles so that they could teach and that that apostolic message might get passed on and on and on and on. So third implication then, would you imitate Paul? Imitate Paul in trusting the gospel. I mean, he, he's so clearly a man who 100% trusts what Jesus told him, right? You don't, you don't curse other people unless you are so absolutely confident that you're standing in the truth. But imitate Paul then in being someone who speaks the gospel. As you stand firm in it, speak it. God chose Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles, which is most of us, 
such that as we listen to Paul, we might be saved, that we in turn might be those who go and make disciples ourselves. And do it prayerfully, maybe even for that person that you think is the most hard-hearted of them all, the furthest away from the Lord Jesus Christ. As you share Jesus with them, remember that you're a slave of God's, you're not a people pleaser, and that God saved even Saul. And he can do that for your friend too. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that you chose to reveal the gospel to Saul, this man renamed Paul, that we might know, have confidence in this message, this news, that salvation comes by faith and faith alone, that we need to trust in Jesus. Father, would you give us confidence, help us to stand tall in our world, in the face of so many who would have us relinquish what we have received, who would have us give up our freedom and be enslaved once again, to works. Give us confidence, Father. And out of that confidence, give us a hunger to share that freedom with others. And we ask this in Jesus' name.